Last year, in May, Midori was scheduled to perform with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, and people were very excited about that. Midori coming back to Detroit. But then word came that she was ill, and her doctors advised her to not do any traveling. So all of a sudden, there was a hole that it had to be filled with uh, just a few days before the concert. And the call went out to my guest, Paul Huang, who is a violinist, uh, from born in Taiwan, currently an American citizen. Welcome, Paul. Hello. Nice to see you. What's it like when you get that call and somebody says, listen, are you doing anything in a couple of weeks? Uh, well, in fact, actually, I remember uh, receiving a phone call from my manager when I was in Mexico, actually. And um, I was in the rehearsal, and my manager usually, he doesn't usually call. He usually emails, but when he calls, something is up. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I didn't pick up the phone for a couple hours because I was in the rehearsals. And then I immediately returned the call, and I finished the rehearsal, and he says, um, no, there's this concert that Midori cancels, and you actually are free the week after, which is exactly the week when I got the notice. And... So and then he said the repertoire will be Sibelius Concerto, which is the concerto that I was good, I was I was playing in Mexico at the time. So it actually just like kind of everything kind of put into you know from puzzles put huh. into shape and 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 it was confirmed with, within the day and that you know so I just went from Mexico to here Detroit and you know it's a it's a city that I become more familiar and familiar over the years. Now, you know, I remember I did my first recital here was maybe about three or four years ago at the McComb Center. Oh, yeah. And then um, and then I came back last year with DSO, with uh, Maestro Slacken. And, and actually just two weeks ago, I returned here actually to Detroit to do my recital at the Fisher Center oh, yes. with the Pro Musica. Uh-huh. So, um, and here I am, my fourth visit was well, Detroit, and it's been, you know, I have, I've been enjoying the city very, very much, and definitely lots of uh, restaurant lists that I'm yeah, ready yeah. to uh, tap into. And, oh, they're, you know, they're adding yeah. them every day, so, it seems. So, very much looking forward to that, as well as making music with, you know, the wonderful Detroit Symphony Orchestra in, 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 in this beautiful house. It's, it's really a pleasure. Well, we're we're very lucky to have you uh, with us. I should mention that you'll be playing three concerts this weekend. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, at Congregation Sherry Zedek at 7.30. On Friday at uh, 7 p.m. at the McComb Center, once again. Uh, and then Sunday, May th- uh, 15th at 3 p.m. in the afternoon at the Seligman Performing Arts Center in Beverly Hills. You'll be doing The Scottish Fantasy by uh, Max Brook. Um, and it's it's a very popular piece. It's a standard repertoire piece, and and one that I imagine you've had in your repertoire for a while. Yes, you know, in in fact, you know, I was just talking to orchestra musicians at the DSO today, and somehow, actually, this piece is not as popular as the Violin Concerto by Max Brook, which the very popular G minor uh, uh concerto, which everyone plays and somehow the Brooks Scottish fantasy is in in fact actually a little bit overlooked or in my opinion underplayed in some in some circumstances you know actually I, I, I'd asked 
the musicians they said they haven't played this piece for a long time with the orchestra so so it's uh, surprising to me and then not just DSO as with many many other orchestra mm-hmm. that because this piece is actually part of my repertoire for the season and then the season after so so actually I have gotten some feedbacks from orchestra says oh we'd love to do it because we haven't done it either we haven't done it or we haven't done it for a long time when did you first uh, learn it I actually learned it about three years ago mm-hmm. for the first time of course I, I knew the piece and grew up listening to it but uh, <clears throat> I did not learn this concerto when I was a teenager when when I was in school I learned the G minor concerto obviously yeah. but uh, this piece again actually you know not that many people play in conservatories it's it's a piece that I, not many people um, <clears throat> put into their repertoire and then in some ways I think it's very refreshing to bring this repertoire to the audience and it's a piece I actually find it very very close to my heart something you know about this folk tune Scottish folk tunes hmm. um, somehow it just resonates with me uh, very much so and then and maybe I mean I don't want to sound cliche but it, it, it I do find some connections between this kind of folk tunes to my own roots from Taiwan and and so so these these are these are tunes that are very <coughs> very close to my heart and are, are are something that is very personal to me and and and, and it, it's just a beautiful work of music that oh, I think is. should be played much more often well obviously yeah. you're going to take care of that this weekend or at least uh, advance the cause i hope so uh, like like most virtuosos <laughs> you started early at the age of 7 um, but you left Taiwan and came to the United States in your teens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. I, I, I came to this country when I was 12. And, and um, I came here to study specifically uh, at the Juilliard School. And um, I went to their pre-college program, which is the... So it's like high school? It's Yeah, middle school. Yeah, yeah it, it's basically... Um, so the Juilliard pre-college program is... Uh, probably more well-known than the college program because of the the histories of of nurturing many many soloists from pre-college days you know people namely like Gyosha Ham, Sarah Chang Midori's, Zuckerman uh-huh. Perlman you know they actually did not some of them did not actually go to college because they were already successful and then <laughs> they, they, had they already job. they already started their career way before yeah. they graduated from high school so actually, in fact, the pre-college program was more well-known than the college program. And you can get in as young as you want, as long as you pass the audition. So there are, I mean, I, I there are still kids in, in that program who are like six or seven years old or, or you know. Really? Yeah, as young wow. as you. And then you, the dedications that the parents put into for, for children, especially Asians, I would say, are are surprisingly if not not really surprisingly but it was it, it's really heartwarming to see how much dedication that put into a, a kid's education and and um they would travel every, because julia pre-college only meets on saturday mm-hmm. so new during monday to friday you still go to normal middle school high school or elementary school so so there are kids who actually come from los angeles every week they commute every week whoa so they would skip school on Friday, take the plane to New York Friday night, 
and then do the class and leave on Sunday. That's quite a commitment. Yeah. Uh, are, are your parents music, musicians? No. Um, <clears throat> my parents are not musically inclined, but um, obviously they're a big music lover. So uh, I grew up listening to tons of recordings and and um, music is always around the house and we, we love going to concerts or going to arts events, any anything you know has uh-huh. ballet, theater, play, music, and so so really, I I would say my educa- my education as a kid was was uh, very much involved in the arts and I think it seemed natural to me that I wanted to ask to play the violin, and which, in fact, I was the one who told my parents that I wanted to play the violin. My guest is Paul Huang, violinist, who will be appearing with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra at the William Davidson Neighborhood Concert Series this weekend. Three opportunities to hear him uh, tomorrow night at Congregation Sherry, Sherry Zedek in Southfield at 7.30, then Friday night at the Macomb Center at 7 p.m., and then Sunday afternoon at 3 at the Seligman Performing Arts Center. Um, what are you going to do on Saturday? You got a day off there. You... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in between lunches and dinners, uh, I like to visit the art museum, which I have not visited yet. And then I heard ever not yet. Really? Yeah. Oh, so I think I should put that on my list for yeah, Saturday. That's a good day. So, yeah. So um, and you know I have made friends over the years with the DSO. Uh, musicians and you know some of them actually have become uh, very good friends and very dear to me so you know of course there are many breakfast brunch lunches dinners are planned okay so well, that sounds uh, great so yeah it should be fun you have and and this stunned me a little bit um with you and in fact it's sitting in a chair right next to you the 1742 vienyavsky del jesu this is the violin that Henrik Vinyavsky played? Indeed. Really? Yeah. This was the violin that he played for his whole life. And um, uh, in fact, actually, his fa- favorite violin. I mean, he has a few instruments. He has, an, he, has an, he has a Strat and then I think another Del Jesus. But I think this was his favorite violin. And so just to think the histories of this violin, and then he composed yeah. concertos and as well as many virtuosic pieces with the sound of this violin in mind is really actually mind-boggling. Well, and, and do you, this is kind of a spiritual question, but do you sense Vienyavsky in the instrument? I mean, does, is, is I don't want to say it's haunted or anything, but... The, there, I, I, I don't know, I, but there's definitely some kind of soul in there, and uh, but uh, I try not to think too much about it, and, <laughs> but, but it, it, it's a very soulful instrument. And it, it has so much qualities of this of the sound in this instrument that makes it so special. And and it's it's hard to describe its its complexities. It's the complexity of sound that makes this instrument so special. And and um, this violin is on loan to me from a foundation in Chicago, the Stradivari Society. And um, <clears throat> I actually a very funny history with this violin actually. Um, so I actually met this violin when I was 16 years old. Uh, I w- was looking for an instrument. My teacher thought that my instrument was not capable enough for me to make my European debut in Paris at the Louvre when I was 16. So he reached out to a few people that he knew. And then, so here here came this violin. And then 
um, the owner said, oh, you know, I agree. I would love to have you use it for the concert, but just for the concert for a month. So, so, and I was 16 years old. And so I was very grateful. And then I used the violin for my European debut. And so that went very well. And I returned the violin, said goodbye to the owner, and we did not keep in touch at all. And I was really young at the time. And so it did not occur to me to keep in touch with her or any of the, any of those aspects of, uh-huh. of, of, of career. And, and not until uh, three years ago, I, I was using a Stradivarius from a foundation in Taiwan, and that violin needed to return because for the museum exhibition. And I did not plan ahead as well as I should have. And so I left with no violin when I returned it. And, and so, so in the meantime, my manager had arranged a fiddle for me from New York. A patron loaned it to me for a period of time. It was a wonderful violin. It's a Niccolo Amati. And I absolutely uh, loved it. And, yeah. and it, it well, was those wonderful. Are, those are some great instruments. Yeah. It, it, it was wonderful for the time being. And then I was very happy. And then I, I, continue <clears throat> concertizing with the violins and then when i was in los angeles just like about like five six months later and i got a phone call from a number that i did not know it but i pick it up and then it was this woman whom i met when i was 16 years old she said oh do you remember me so and so and um um i heard that you're you were looking for a violin and by the way, I did not tell much of anyone that I was looking for instruments besides my manager. And and she says, oh, I, I heard that you were looking for instruments. Uh, and did you find one? I says, well, I, I have a Mati and, and, and I'm quite content with it. And 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 then she she says, well, look, listen, um, I don't know if you still remember the violin that I loaned it to you when you were 16 years old and it just become available. And would you like to come to Chicago and try? And that was it. <laughs> wow, that's those are great stories. Yeah. Now, do you, the Stradivarius Society in Chicago? Do they have like a big vault there, and then with the Sarasate violin and, and um, Chrysler violin? Well, Stradivarius Society is kind of like an intermediator between patrons uh, and artists, uh-huh. though they don't actually physically own instruments they are the one who kind of arrange for patrons to meet with uh, artists that they think have the potentials of becoming successful so they pair uh-huh. them with foundations uh, patrons who owns instruments so so to your questions uh, I don't think there is fault <laughs> because uh, there would are... be something though if there was some big, <laughs> you could just go oh, I don't know Joachim <clears throat> ah, he's not my style yeah. I want to go more for Vinyaski. Now we're talking. Yeah. Well, Paul Huang uh, can be heard and once again in three opportunities tomorrow night at uh, Congregation Sherry Zedek, 7.30 p.m., and then on Friday night at the McComb Center at 7 o'clock and uh, at the Seligman on uh, Sunday at 3 in the afternoon doing the Scottish Fantasy by Max Brook. Uh, you can find out more information at dso.org. And uh, it's great to to meet you. Welcome back to Detroit. You're going to have you. a great time at the DIA. You know, the, the cafeteria there is really quite good. Okay, well, which is, maybe I can plan so if you're looking for lunch a, there. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, wow, there are a lot of places to do lunch, but, you know, you could do worse than great. that. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
Scherzo from the Scottish Fantasy by Max Brook. In that recording, we heard Nicola Benedetti with the BBC uh, Scottish Symphony Orchestra. Uh, And as it turns out, and uh, this was totally unplanned, Nicola, or as as Paul calls her, Nikki, is a friend of uh, my guest, Paul Huang, who who was here just moments ago. (laughs) 